Look, it's better to win ugly than it is to lose ugly. A victory Monday always feels better than a loss Monday, so things are okay. But, you know, when you take a look at that game in the context of both the 2023 Chiefs and Patriots and the greater understanding of what this Chiefs team has been under Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Only Weird Games, formerly known as Time's Ours. Chiefs victorious over the New England Patriots, keeping them from a three-game losing streak, which would have really been uh, a heck of a sky-is-falling type of moment. And Sky Moore has fallen off the active roster to injured reserve. Uh, We'll talk about both of those things at the top here on this edition of Only Weird Games. Joshua Briscoe and Seth Kaiser with you today as Nate Taylor is on his way back from New England shortly after being absolutely flame broiled by Andy Reid on the Zoom presser uh, because <laughs> Nate had the audacity to ask Andy Reid a question in the Zoom from his hotel in Foxborough, I presume. I haven't actually seen the background, but I know that Nate at the time was still in New England. And uh, and so he asked the question, Andy answers it, and says so something along the lines of, uh, doggone it, Nate, didn't your mother ever teach you to make your bet? Like, what? <laughs> Well, and unfortunately, I know that the listeners, viewers, commenters, etc. will be devastated that Nate is not here with us right now. It's because I believe he is literally on a plane right this second. You know he would do a show from an airport when he can. Um, he's, he's actually going around every single room in that hotel and the adjacent <laughs> hotels and making the beds. He's just like, never again. Never again. I, I wish in retro, and I'm sure Nate now wishes he he had a response ready to go, but I can't blame him. I don't know what I would have said in that moment. I wasn't expecting it either. I wish he would have said, oh, no, coach, yeah, my, my mom taught me how to make the bed. My dad taught me why I pay room service. And, like, I'm just going to, you know, enjoy that luxury while on the road. But uh, not the case. We'll get we'll get Nate's side of that more on Thursday. Um, do, Seth, do go ahead. people make the bed at hotels? Like, am I, am I being inconsiderate? Because here's the deal. All right, we're going to talk about Sky more in just a second here. Go ahead. Okay, I assume... <laughs> we were so close to starting the show on a real topic, but it's okay. If you can't make me laugh this early, please don't do that. I wasn't oh. trying to. <laughs> so, I just didn't... I mean, they clean the bedding regardless. So if you're making the bed, all you're doing is just locking in the sheets that you slept in that they're going to have to pull. What I always do, we we pull off the covers and we put the sheets in a pile and the comforter in a pile. And I was assumed that was the right thing to do. Yeah, I would. Uh, what I was going to ask, but I decided not to because I thought it was going to make the start of the show too hectic, is are you a bed maker day to day? Are you an at home make your bed type of guy? So, no. And there's, there's, we, we're a bed arranger type of guy. There's two things. One, I've got like eight pillows at this point in my life. I'm like, not, not like throw pillows, like actual functional pillows. I had like, you know, two for my head, like three to put between my legs to like keep my back from going out. Another one to grab onto for the night's jazz is like, leave me alone. And like most like, nights, week nights. <laughs> and so I've got a zillion pillows. Jazz has a zillion pillows and they really all are functional. And we also, and this is a pro, this is a pro marriage move here, Josh. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, let me, let me take some notes. Here's here's the deal. Two comforters. Two comforters. Each of you gets a comforter. A gigantic comforter. You will be happier and healthier just having the option. You don't have to use it every night. Sometimes it's like, hey, baby, it's cold outside. Let's snuggle up. And some nights it's like, good Lord, I'm exhausted. I'm going to just snuggle in this gigantic comforter while you do it too. And yes... Seriously, guys, beds and pillows, you had to be here for the beginning. If Andy Reid is going to talk about it during his press conference, my goodness, we can talk about it here on Only Weird Games. I have not. Here's what. Here's where I'm at right now. So first of all, I've never been a bed maker. I, I'd like to be. Given the choice, from if I, if I could magic wand, boom, bed's made, I'd take sure. it. You know, that would be ideal. Uh, but, you know, again, who's got the time? What, what we have figured out 
And I have not actually brought it back up for, for this winter, for reasons I'll explain. Not only have we unlocked the, you know how you don't fight about sheets and blankets, you each get your own sort of phenomenon. A great pro tip that I'm really happy to hear you share with the masses. Double comforter, great play. Oh. Double weighted blanket, game changer. Oh. Game changer. Just... <laughs> the problem, the problem, and honest to goodness, and I don't know what this says about my personality, diagnose me in the comments, um, is that I have not... <laughs> oh, that's such a bad idea, man. Cool. Please don't diagnose me in the comments. I'm just diagnose both it. in the comments and um and Tucker nope, his favorite mom is here. <laughs> yeah, my mom is here and Renee's not watching, but my mom is. So uh my mom might give a diagnosis in the comments if she's watching. Um I have not brought the weighted blanket, my weighted blanket, back onto the bed yet because it makes me too comfortable. And I already have a hard enough time getting up in the morning and like, you know, I I don't, whatever the, 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 you know, the Folgers commercials where you just like wake up and the sun comes through the windows and you just, birds are, are chirping and you float Those out. People are coffee serial cup. killers. God, I'm are. like, I don't, I just don't, I don't trust morning people. I'm, yeah. I'm happy for you. Um, and if you get up early, but you're still grumpy in the morning, I trust you again. Um, but if you wake up in a good mood, I, yeah, I assume that you've got some dark passenger that's really, uh, causing all of this. So. Uh, weighted blanket, full endorsement, double comforter, full endorsement. We have now fixed your your betting game, which means we should talk about Sky more, which we'll do. Actually, hey, Tucker, you let me know. Do we need to take one of these little itty-bitty breaks early on, or should we just power through? I usually ask before the show, and I didn't today, but it would be a, con- a, a very convenient time. We don't wow. need a break. We don't need a break, Seth. We're playing tempo. We're powering through because I blame the, guy, I blame the coaching for that, by the way. It it is you know the coaching the execution we we could all be better I could be better um, I got to put you in in positions to succeed um, Richie James only played two snaps that can't happen I got to figure out whose fault that is so uh, anyway the the news of just the last hour or so is yeah. that Sky Moore has been placed on injured reserve uh, ending certainly his regular season um, the the quickness of all of that. Um, makes me wonder if if the Chiefs have have found something more serious there. Post game last night was not a a sense of urgency from Andy Reid. He said something you know about getting a little banged up or whatever, right? Um, but ultimately he's placed on injured reserve, out for the rest of the regular season, and uh, ends his um his sophomore campaign. Yeah, after the game, Andy Reid said his knee swelled up on him. That's a lot of things happen in a knee, but but maybe yeah. there was a more severe injury that he was out there fighting through, and then the swelling is what they noticed by postgame, and, and we'll probably get a better idea on Wednesday when Andy Reid talks. Actually, Reid won't talk till Thursday this week because it's on a Monday, so we may not get any more information from the Chiefs on that until Thursday. We'll see if anyone else reports any info as we go, but Sky Moore out for the remainder of the regular season and uh, theoretically, I guess, a wild card game. We'll see. I would assume his, his sophomore campaign is over. First, Seth, before we get into the impact of that and more, we will get more into Chiefs Patriots as we go here. But since this is breaking, um, where does this put you in terms of of wrapping up again? What I think can only be described as a, a disappointing second year for Sky Moore. You know what? I'm going to talk about all that while you go ahead and look at the public comments for a little bit. So the 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 thing that I got to show to you as as the the thing that's worth noting. Screenshot no. the funny ones and text me later. Uh, yeah, that. No, well, my mom says early morning grumpiness. That's a genetic. That's genetic. So that's good. Thank you, mom. <laughs> no, I was referring to the incredibly accurate diagnosis right above it. it right, all of God complex Briscoe. Anyway, that's good. So, that's all, you can just read. You can just read them if. I <laughs> just did see the like I said. Diagnose Josh in the comments now. Man, so many of my greatest hosting moments, my setups and my knockdowns and my segues and everything. I'll die in a vat of Seth reading the public comments. That's probably fair. Anyway, so one thing that's worth noting for Chiefs fans that are trying to kind of figure out where things might change on the offense with more being out, it's got to be noted that after playing almost 66% of the snaps against Green Bay, and then the week before that, he played like 57% of the snaps against Las Vegas, played 50% against Philly, only 25% against Miami, but there was a lot going into that um, in terms of personnel. In formations. Um, overall, Moore was playing like 55-ish percent of the snaps on the season. The last two weeks, 35% and 25%. And I think that trend was going to continue. So I, I don't know 
it's not as big a change as it would have been, you know, four weeks ago or something like that. You were already seeing the Chiefs kind of, uh, one could say reading the writing on the wall, um, but that's usually something like, you know, beforehand. In this case, it wasn't really the writing on the wall so much as the entire wall had been painted and then <laughs> wallpaper. And then they put another layer of sheetrock on there for some reason, which is weird, but you know, it's what they did. Maybe a whole line of insulation. And so that's just how his season's gone. Really tough sophomore season for Sky Moore. It's kind of interesting. I they tend to not give up on guys, especially, you know, early draft picks. I'm curious what the offseason looks like for him. If there's some team out there that's like, hey, you know, they want to pull up Brett Veach and say, hey, we'll give you a sixth for this guy that's not working out where you are uh, or where he is. Maybe they do that. I have no idea. I hope he recovers. I hope he bounces back strong next year. But things were not going well. And we've talked about that for a myriad of reasons. But they were already starting to replace his snaps. And I know a lot of people, I think, based on like comments that I've seen online, et cetera, is that a lot of people are thinking, well, Rasheed Rice was taking all of Sky Moore's snaps. That's not quite accurate because... They were playing more on the boundary a fair amount of the time. <laughs> Sorry. Jordan, just just put it on the screen or read it or something. Jordan, wow, just, Jordan this gave a $2 super chat, super chat for a Josh haircut fund. Dang, I, okay. Look, I, to the sha- I shaved this weekend. I feel like my lettuce is actually flowing. I looked at the comments and said all I saw was one comment that said I had a God complex and one comment that said my jacket was great. So I don't see the problem here. Yeah, you you do have a great jacket, by the way. Thank that you. is a nice looking jacket. That's all. Although it, our our fashion compliments from me, that's a double edged sword, isn't it? Yeah, like, it's and it's really a jacket. You know, I mean, it's a shirt jacket. You kind of go either way, but oh, uh, but I digress. You you alert you alluded to before you were uh, enraptured by hilarity. Thank you, Jordan, for spending two dollars to derail the show. Most people can do it for free, honestly. Uh, <laughs> like Ronald O. McDonald, though, who says, "Let's start a GoFundMe for chat blinders for Seth." That. I got two bucks for that one. That's I a could, great I, idea. I could like put this over the one side of my screen. I will just look at it. I will overnight ship to you just like some some duct tape or something just to put over that side of your screen. Um, if yeah, that's man, a judge is going to get mad at me during some <laughs> hearing. I feel like, well, hey, Mister Kaiser, could you inquire as to credit for time served? Like, judge, I don't know. It's on the right side of my screen, and I can't see that. You want to explain that, Mister Kaiser? I'd rather not, Your Honor. <laughs> well, <laughs> frankly, I can't explain that, Judge. Not in, not in any way that won't lead to me serving a couple days for contempt. But um, can you anyway. serve days for contempt? Oh yeah, if you're found in contempt of court, so there's direct contempt. Um, and so direct contempt is if you do something like crazy in court, or uh-huh. you directly uh, are found in contempt of court. I think in Minnesota, you can do 180 days for contempt. That's crazy. Yeah. Looking at the comments, I think about half our people would like to send you in for about a month, but um, just kind of being in contempt of the show. But I don't think I have that kind of power. Um, mentioning Sky Moore going forward, I, I actually really haven't been on Twitter since this news came down, so I don't know if this is something that has popped up. But I kind of assume there are some people that are like, okay, well, we've seen the last of Sky Moore in Kansas City. Or at least people who are saying we should have now seen the last of Sky Moore in Kansas City. For me, this goes back to where I'm at with the receiver group as a whole in terms of how the Chiefs are evaluating them. We will not get an honest evaluation of the Chiefs wide receivers from the Chiefs until the offseason. That's when we will know what they actually think. Andy Reid has said at the podium, you know, MVS needs more work, and then his workload went down for two weeks, and then they'll cut him this offseason, and we'll know what the Chiefs thought of MVS, right? Like, some of that will, will show up. Again, not writing on the wall, but those walls being knocked down. Uh, Miley Cyrus style. So with with Sky Moore, I could he he does feel like a candidate where if he was on another team, but oh, there's a small school receiver who didn't really develop, but we really liked him coming out of the draft. We had a, a late uh, second, early third round grade on him, and he just didn't work out. And let's just say to pick a random team like with the Giants. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and trade like a fifth or a sixth rounder to try to get year three and four of his rookie deal and see what, what's there. That's the type of move that I feel like the Chiefs would make to bring in a receiver. And obviously, they did it with Kadarius Toney. Um, I also, if the Chiefs have any feel whatsoever that Sky Moore is still in part a year behind based off small school, the the arc of his NFL career, 
um, what what he hasn't quite picked up on. If they are buying at all into ha him having unrealized potential, I would hate for them to trade him for a sixth round pick. And right. really, what what I what I am expecting right now is that he will be a, just a guy in the offseason, just a guy you throw into the to the the depth chart. The Chiefs will also treat him like that instead of treating him like a potential number one receiver like they did this last offseason. And then he'll be there through training camp. We'll get a feel of where he is in the rotation at training camp. And then either he'll be wide receiver four or five or he'll be a cut down day trade or a, uh, a, a surprise cut after two years. But cutting a second round pick after two seasons is a pretty tough thing to do. And right. I, I don't. I don't completely get the feel that the Chiefs are there on Sky Moore in part because of the hope they had for him coming into this season. Like if if they buy into him as and this is super silly, like uh, I, I this is this is intangible stuff, which we're talking about from the other side with Kadarius Tony. But if the Chiefs spend an offseason saying like, yeah, we think this kid can handle the pressure and he can take another step, and we like how he's wired and his football character and all of those things. He's still fast and still has big hands. Like, I don't... That's theoretically all of the stuff that you were betting on originally. So I'll, I'll be fascinated to see what happens over the course of the offseason with him. Uh, but I, I certainly do think the Chiefs will not be marching him around, or Tony, for that matter. I don't think we'll see the same argument for who number one is going to be in that that receiving room. That would be absolutely shocking. And, and, and if they went that route, you know, they... I actually had an interesting conversation with someone today. Well, it wasn't exactly a conversation. It was a Twitter beef, I think. Um, I don't know. that. I muted that dude a while ago. He's been screaming into the void for a minute based on the number of, you have this party muted in my replies, which I feel bad about, but he was yeah. being very nice. Tucker, next and time, just text him. <laughs> so, the, the, the thing with, uh, the, the thing with what they did, we can, I think we can all agree that arguably, other than that very first draft, which was abysmal, the biggest, I think, whiff like like solid position group sized whiff, pure whiff of Brett Veach's career as the GM for the Chiefs is this year's wide receiver room, right? Yeah. Counting on especially most specifically a second round pick in Sky Moore so far and a third rounder and change for Kadarius Tony so far and looking like it might end up that way. So I think we can all agree on that. Um, there's other things you know you can you can argue was Frank Clark worth that price and that contract no no but he did some good things same with Sam Watkins you know was it worth what they get no but he did some good things Orlando Brown nah not ultimately but you got cost controlled left tackle play for a couple years and then some compensatory pick stuff for a first late first rounder you know I call that a push honestly so all that's a long road to a short thought of saying they whiffed on the wide receiver room this year they invested some guys they really thought that between Tony or Moore, they thought one of them could be Juju this year. I think that's what they genuinely thought, and they were just wrong. Okay, fair enough. You took a couple shots. Kind of maybe both of them were long shots to an extent, but you can see the physical talent. So here's what I'm getting at with Sky Moore, and honestly, Kadarius Tony. Look, Kadarius Tony's under contract next year for a $2.5 million cap hit. Yep. Sky Moore's under contract next year for a $1.7 million cap hit. These are not big cap hits. And you got to remember, it's like, oh, well, $2.5 million. There's maybe a little more of an argument there with Tony because it's a bigger cap hit and where you can get like a fringe guy in terms of like, you know, special teamer and, you know, and you end up with like $1.5 million in savings. But Tony is also, and this is crazy to believe after, I can't believe he did it again. The, I just, I can't believe he did it again. And there's just nothing more to say. Like, that's like, how did that? I can't remember seeing that happen. You and Patrick Mahomes cannot believe he did it again. Patrick, that man, he was upset. And I get it. Like, I, I we need a professional lip reader because I've had so many people tell me with total confidence exactly what he said on the sideline, and it's all very different things. And if we've learned one thing from those bad lip reading videos, if someone tells <laughs> you what it is, you're going to transpose that onto their lips. And like, oh, that's exactly what we say. So my point is, it would be surprising to me, depending on what they do with the wide receiver room next year, is Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony aren't both here, just in a wildly different role. And that's that's the problem with Moore and Tony. It's not that they don't belong on an NFL roster. 
there's arguments to be made, perhaps. It's that they have been Peter principled to death this year in terms of being placed in position they clearly can't handle. Um, it's great to see like like Travis Kelsey walking with his arm around Tony after the game. I know a lot of people are like, oh no, they need to be on them, they need to be yelling at them. I'm just gonna I'm gonna propose something here. And this is based on my conversations with players, only two or three guys that I've talked to about this. The NFL is different than high school ball and college ball. Hollering at a grown man, if, if he doesn't care enough to try, hollering at him's not going to do it. That works with kids. It really does. They need to be, t- hey, get after it, get after it. And there are some people who genuinely maybe need to have someone to light a fire to them. That's what Eric Bieniemy was great at. Accountability before I... I'm not even going to look at the comments. Before you put the duct tape back over the yeah, red yeah, out of your screen. Accountability matters. Absolutely. I would say if you... You can hold people accountable without screaming at them. You can. Some people do it some way. Some people do it another way. Andy Reid has explicitly been doing it for decades. Yes. Yes. And the the reality of the situation is Kadarius Tony either cares enough to really work on this stuff or he doesn't. And we'll see. But both of them are probably going to be on the roster next year simply because they're cheap and there is some scratching of talent to try to do with it. Kadarius Tony is incredible with the ball in his hands. Honestly, this whole idea, use him as in the backfield and as a gadget guy, that sounds great to me. Because once he's got the ball in his hands, he morphs into a borderline, like, all-pro-level player. It's just everything before that. And those things matter if you're going to ask a guy to be a wide receiver one. And so I I really, I understand what people are saying. Like, they want to see people cut. They want to see... And I do wonder if their wide receiver room situation were different this year, if you would see something extreme. But extreme reactions have never been Andy Reid's thing. Not for 20 years in the league. He is not a guy that's going to cut a player for a bad performance or two bad performances or five bad performances. Now, MBS, on the other hand, I I literally every time, and then look, I wish the best for MBS. We'll always have the AC Championship game. I don't know if they win the Super Bowl without his contributions last year, but he's taken a nosedive this year. I think in his most honest moments, he would agree with that. Don't you dare, Josh. Um, Or, yeah. (laughs) Um, But he's, he's, he, on the other hand, if you look at 2024, it is a significant, yeah. He's had like $10 million or something. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a large amount of money. Like right now, he is on, he's one of like the higher, he is a $14 million cap it next year. You save 12 of that by cutting him. That's not even a hard decision. I mean, that. so that's why they're so differently situated. And that's why those rookie contracts matter so much. Because let's say they just completely um, neuter, for lack of a better term, Kadarius Tony's snaps and say, you, sir, are only now going to, we're going to get you three or four carries a game on some draw type stuff. We're going to get you a couple jet sweeps a game couple wide receivers things a game you know what i mean hey go out there and run a what run a whip route that's it and then maybe as a punt returner because if you're not using him fully in the offense you might as well have him as a punt returner well he treats every punt return like he's isaiah pacheco and you know what i respect it that's the one thing like don't tell me the guy doesn't care that man i have been like dude get out of bounds like because that's gotta hurt but anyway you do all that and he can do that decently or very well that's worth two and a half mil. And that's why it's such a different analysis depending on what it costs because you, it doesn't prevent you from bringing in two or three guys to become the two, three, four, five guys behind Rasheed Rice. And neither one of us are saying, yeah, don't bring in competition in training camp. What we are saying is I've got, I've got two little strings to pull here. One, to your point, you cut MVS next year, you free up $12 million and get $2 million in dead cap money. There's not a single person watching this video right now who goes, whoa, I don't, that $2 million in dead cap doesn't sit right with me. But you might say, cut Sky Moore to free up hundred grand. His cap hit next year is $1.8 million if you're rounding up. Marius Tony's cap hit next year is $2.5 million if you're rounding a tiny bit down. That's the dead money you get when you cut MVS. 
So, any there, all of that to say, um, I I think they'll be on the team next year. And for a pitch perfect example of that, may I introduce to you the Kansas City Chiefs hero of Week 15, guy that everyone wanted cut in training camp and earlier in the season, and was a bad draft pick at the time, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He he's the MVP of this game, and and I don't. And man, we will. I don't care to relitigate 2020 right now. People were telling me that I was dumb for telling you he had a role on this year's team because you need someone who can do a lot of stuff if Pacheco gets hurt. You need a third running back to get a couple carries here and there. And if you can have a third a third running back who you trust both like knows the playbook, but on a bigger level understands the offense, the point of the offense is a type of running back who will know that if he's in a, a spot of grass while Mahomes is making something happen in the red zone, he might just throw that 5'8"-ish guy, 5'7"-ish guy, a jump ball that he can go up and get. I don't awesome. I don't know that... Daenerys Prince probably isn't there for that. You know what I mean? Like, that's no no insult to Daenerys Prince. Like, he just got here. So, all of that to say, Clyde is a guy who's gone through that whole cycle of bad pick at the time, had some high moments, had some lower moments, hero of Chiefs Patriots, where he's like one of the only things reliably happening, and most of that's through the air, most of that's on a great, the incredibly blocked play, where he was riding Trey Smith's back with two other linemen yeah, flanking that him. Was, that, was, that was also a good example of his physical limitations, like, I don't know if that dude's that much faster than Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey, who that's fair really well for offensive linemen. That was an incredibly blocked play. That was incredible. They had nothing to do. It was so funny. Sorry, you were... It was amazing. No, it was amazing. But but point being, like, when you're talking about a 53-man roster, don't don't punish the failed wide receiver one or the failed running back one. Don't, don't punish them so, so over the top, right? That you, are, you are unwilling to see their value as running back three or wide receiver five. If, if you took someone else's Sky Moore... Someone else's Kadarius Tony, and again, the Chiefs literally did take someone else's Kadarius Tony. You would be so excited about the reclamation project in a way less emphasized role on your team. So that's for me is kind of closing the book on Sky Moore, and we got Kadarius Tony and that whole conversation out of the way pretty early on as well. So now uh, we can talk about everything else happening in the game, and of course, leading it in to Rasheed Rice. Uh, we've talked about receivers who are not as good as Rasheed Rice. Uh, Seth, and once again, I don't have his box score up right. He was just south of 100 yards, 90-something on the day, I believe. Uh, 91, and of course, the touchdown pass from quarterback one, Jarek McKinnon. Um, there's a lot of fun stuff in Rasheed Rice's game here, Seth. Where do you start in terms of, of what was it that, that jumped off the page, or I guess off the screen, for you today, as you wrote about in the Chief in the North newsletter? I did. And the biggest thing to look at with Rice... It's we got it's like twenty eight. Now you're good. Okay, you're not doing the thing. You're really not doing the thing. Not doing the thing. Okay, you're not doing the thing. So the thing that people get excited about, you can look at what he's done the last four weeks statistically. Man, my lack of trust right now is just like Mahomes terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. So the you can look at the stats for the last four weeks, and that's uh, that's something that a lot of people can do. The last four games, one hundred seven yards, sixty four yards, seventy two yards, ninety one yards. His targets have gone way up, and he's maintained a fair amount of efficiency despite that, which kind of belies the idea that you can't get efficiency out of a guy that you're still utilizing in kind of a niche role, because they are. Like, I did not know you could target a guy 10 times within five yards of the line of scrimmage. That's kind of incredible, honestly. But if I were to get excited about one play from Chiefs-Patriots, Similar to how I would get excited about like just one play against Buffalo, the back shoulder throw. This was the third and 10 conversion in the second half of the game in the third quarter where it just really is about doing something different than what they've had him doing currently. Seeing him quickly create separation against man coverage might be match. I'm pretty sure it's man coverage um, with a really nice, no wasted steps, fake in, explode out. Utilize. I'm watching the snap right now. Utilizing his acceleration to create separation really quickly and really effectively, still drifting beyond the first down marker. Like these are, these are like okay. 
this is another thing you can do. We weren't sure you can do. And that one, I guess you would describe it. It's not really a one cut fake, but that's for lack of a better term. We're just going to butcher any kind of terminology here. Any wide receiver coaches who are in the comments, I'm sorry. You can watch, you can watch the clip in the newsletter yep. and call it what you want. Yep. And so he, I mean, utilizing, I mean, he, he sells the fake inside with, with not just his head, but with his entire body, sells the fake, plants perfectly on that inside foot and explodes back outside, doesn't waste any steps, gets the separation, climbs up field, catches a low ball, all of that. That's exactly what you want. If, you're, if, if your question with a guy is, can he win against man coverage? Can he create separation on third down? And that's why I start off writing about him, because three different third downs, they converted with Rice, and those are those are plays. It's easy to forget about like a third and five conversion that kept the drive going where they punted three minutes later. But it matters because had they punted right then, there would have been seven minutes left in the game and the Patriots having three timeouts down 10 and you're suddenly like, hang on, is this a game again? Because Kadarius Tony handed the ball to the other team. I still can't believe that. That, that blew my mind. I don't want to go back down that route. So it is... With Rice, that's why I'm so excited about that because he did all the things we've seen him do before. Plus. And that's what's been nice to see. They they keep unfolding one bit piece at a time. A little extra for him to do. Okay, well, let, let, let's try this. Let's see if you can create a little separation here one-on-one on third and 10. And he did. That's exciting to see because he's already shown he can be a capable contributor elsewhere and be an efficient guy even with a bunch of shorter kind of similar targets. Now yeah, that you expand what he can do, that's really exciting. It, it's the most exciting thing because for uh, how great his counting stats have been, and they, they're fabulous, I I have just been kind of like, wa- not watching them through my fingers over my eyes. That's I'm not afraid, but it's just sort of, I'm a, I am afraid to be like, yeah, and it's easy to catch a lot of passes when all of your passes are horizontal. But seeing, <laughs> seeing that blossom, I don't even want to like, I don't like, I didn't like having that take because it seemed like I was like negging or doubting Rasheed Rice. And that's not yep. the point because like, we've seen him do stuff downfield, which is how the Chiefs have used him so far. This is an absolute thrill. Um, before we come back around to the good, I just I saw a comment pop by. Don't look at the comments. It's not worth it. But uh, obviously the fumbles up and down have been like ball control. We all just keep working on it for keep keep talking that thing. Um, but there was a question about how uh, he earned the penalty flag on what was ruled offensive pass interference and uh, how that's a, a young receiver mistake. Seth, could you explain what you saw on the uh, the offensive pass interference call against Rasheed Rice, please? Um, <laughs> that was really funny. Um, Let's take a break. See- Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. With Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. 
So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I don't even have the comments open. I'm sorry for slandering our ball-knowing commenters for uh, that. That was was a, a lie, a total fabrication. I made it up. Uh, yeah, it was an OPI. Yeah. The safety came down and, and beheaded him because he was trying to get the Travis Kelsey. I can answer that one for you. That that was well done. You got me to look away. You knew I'd be sitting there reading the comments. You knew I'd get distracted by by a horse saying mean things about us. I like you. You just knew. You you knew. And it's just man. It's really tough having my. Uh, I just wonder, you know, you talk about how your dogs kind of take on your personality. I feel like I'm more and more taking on the personality of of, of our dog, Kiko. She's a blue healer, great dog. But she is very much like, you know, if we're on a walk or a drive and there's a squirrel anywhere within whatever. And she doesn't just go chase it because she's a good dog. She she listens. But, I mean, she just... And then just stares. And then just... And that's me if I start looking at the comments section... So well done. God dang Sorry. it. Adam Sheehan with a great comment. Um fake by Josh and Seth bit so hard. You would have been flagged by the NFL for pointing at me on your way into the end zone after that fake. Uh, uh, the girl I fired running by only weird games is Josh's villain origin story. That was a couple weeks ago where I had him on the ropes. Uh, and it continued for a while. I had a couple villain shows in a row, I feel like, but I think we're back. Um, yeah, I don't even yeah, feel great about that one if I'm being honest, but it, it felt I felt like I had to work harder for it than I wanted to. You were you were on your yep. toes and you were signaling it early. You weren't gonna let it happen again. So here we are. Um, let me ask you this about Rasheed Rice looking forward, and then we'll talk about other things from this game, not wide receiver related. But what what is the role now? What's the what's the realistic ceiling for him? His receiver Rasheed Rice's floor is leading Chiefs wide receivers in targets and catches and uh catching passes that average one yard downfield. Like, that's the floor for him, right? Like, that, that'll that be in the game. Where do you think he goes from here as this receiver room has a lot of the same problems in week 15 that it had in week one? Right. Well, so he's... When you're looking at floor and ceiling for a player, um, you you don't want to just... You, you can see floor a little better with production, and you can see ceiling with traits, and maybe even a better way of saying that, <clears throat> excuse me, you can figure out floor with usage and traits get you to the ceiling, right? Because so right now we have certain usage. We know that he can get open against zone a little bit. We're not sure how consistently he can do it because of the usage, right? But we know he can do it a little bit. We know he can create some separation on certain short physical routes like slants and, and, and the like. By, by using physicality at the at the stem of the route. We know we can do that because we've seen him do it a little bit. We've seen that usage. We know he can do back shoulder throws a little bit. We've seen that usage. So there's a floor of a guy who is a really explosive yards after catch guy who can be utilized in a variety of ways close to line of scrimmage that way and who can also do a little bit in terms of back shoulder and exploiting open zones. That's what we see right now with the usage. And that's where the floor is. So the floor is who he is right now, right? Um, assuming you can't, let's say you, let's say he really, for one reason or another, and this often happens to players, he couldn't handle having his volume of bigger wide receiver stuff increased from where it's at right now. Okay, this is the limit. That's still a wide receiver. It's it's a valid wide receiver too on an offense yep. with with a more limited skill set but a valuable one. And because he's shown through usage, the ability to do some of these things in small dosage, he's so shown the ability to do enough things in a small dose 
that it's not just a niche player, right? That's the difference between a niche player and an actual like wide receiver too. You got to be able to do more than just one thing. That's where usually we go back to Kadarius Tony. That's all pretty obvious. Yeah, he's a monster with the ball in his hands. But can you find the holes in zones? Doesn't seem like it. I mean, he hasn't shown the ability to really high point the ball or you know catch the thing. Um, or and so line up. Well, the easy one. Yeah, he can't. Yeah, line up correctly. These are these. So that's you. You can get a niche guy like a McCole Hardman who can do one or two things well. If you can do four or five things well, right? Six or seven things well. All of that adds to it. So that I think we're seeing the floor. Um, teams are going to continue, especially now we've got four weeks of film of him being targeted, I think at least eight times every game. Yeah, my last four games. So he, I mean, he hadn't had more than five targets in a game. No, he had six against the Chargers, I guess, way back in October. But I mean, it, you know, his targets were, you know, five, two, five, and they were all very similar. The last four games, 10, 9, 10, and 9. That is wide receiver one, wide receiver two level of targets. It really is. And they've also expanded just a little bit every week. Okay, we're going to try a couple of back shoulder throws. We're going to ask you to run a couple different routes here. They've expanded that role, which you have to do if you're going to target someone that many times. So if this is the floor, the ceiling, because of his physical skill set that we know, he's he's got really good acceleration. Um, He's explosive. He fights for yards after the catch. He's physical, and that explosion, that acceleration, he seems to be able to do it in and out of cuts. He's not agile. He's not quick, but he can explode after cuts. How far can that take him? As far as his route running can take him. And that's the interesting thing with him is, you know, the best comparison would be like a first-year Brandon Ayuk type guy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people hear me say that, they're like, what? Because he's got an argument for the best wide receiver in the league. But he's also become an incredible route runner. So, you know, I mean, that it creates this thing. But you, if you get a guy with his skill set and, you know, okay, is he going to become a average route runner consistently, a good route runner consistently, an elite one? That, but the ceiling is there for him to be a wide receiver one. It just all depends on, okay, how far can you stack these traits? But the great thing is, I mean, give me a, give me a wide receiver two in round two all day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we if if this offense was legitimately Travis Kelsey and two number two receivers and whatever Kadarius Tony is, like that if Sky Moore was hitting those marks, we'd be looking at this offense very differently. So um I remain optimistic about Rasheed Rice being able to keep stacking those traits, but just the guy he is right now, I mean, imagine this offense where he just vanishes. Just imagine that Rasheed Rice was never a part of this offense. And even with the uh, for a second. Ugh. I mean, they really that his development has been arguably the story. It, it's the story of the second half of the season. They know who they have Mahomes, but I mean Kelsey, who is about to surpass a thousand yards again, just clockwork that guy. But he also he's he is he's thirty four, and asking him to be a ninety percent of the snaps guy. Um, you could ask Kelsey to be your your number one. You can. But asking him to do it literally every week at this point, I don't know. And that's only going to continue. And that's why you need to have someone else that at least forces, and like where we talk about it's been four games in a row now, now there's someone else that defenses will have to at least account for. That matters. And then how much they have to account for just depends on how much they can expand his role. That really is the... Um, that really is going to be the story of the second half of the season um, is how far this goes. Because if it, if it, let's say if he improves in the next four weeks the way he has in the last four weeks, you're having a very different conversation about this Chiefs offense than you even are right now. I'd love to be having that conversation. Let's have this conversation about the Chiefs defense while we're at it. Um, look, Bailey Zappi is the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots now. This Patriots offense stinks. The Chiefs will have three more matchups with backup quarterbacks, or at least guys who didn't start the season. Aiden O'Connell was a choice, but uh, not the first choice in Vegas. And three more unlikely playoff teams, although the Bengals are still in the mix there as well. But the Chiefs' defense in this game, they they gave up seven points. 
Um, the final score was 27-17. The Chiefs' defense gave up one actual touchdown drive. Uh, they got yep. one missed field goal. If you want to, you know, throw up the the Pythagorean win loss and say, all right, well, maybe they should have quote unquote given up ten points. All right, fine. Uh, but they get the uh, red zone stop to fourth the field goal, or at least the short yardage stop. I don't remember how close they actually got. Twenty five yards out. Yeah, red zone stop. And uh, and then the the touchdown the, the Patriots score late that just is uh, you know Kadarius Tony. Um, is there anything that that jumped out to you defensively in this game that? is useful and and noteworthy with where this team stands right now? I don't know. Honestly, I didn't learn a ton about them. I would say that they were having some trouble hanging in man over the middle of the field early in the game. Um, They were sending the house repeatedly. And and Spags does this. We know this. We joke around about it. Sometimes it just destroys young quarterbacks. Sometimes it doesn't. And uh, Zappi, what was interesting about him, he gets the ball out with confidence. Now, that's true, whether he is throwing to the right guy or throwing to three chiefs. Yep. And that was like that that was it's it's kind of the 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 interesting thing there. Cause I was like watching, I was like, you know what? He's playing pretty well. Like I'm pretty oh, that's the that's the thing. Cause good lord, that was one of the worst picks I've seen in a minute. Um so I I I didn't learn a ton about them. They they ended up they 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 were more slow starters at this point in the season. It just seems like each game I've just noticed early in games, the pass rush isn't getting home very quickly. And then it just, as the game wears along, not just like blitzing and that kind of stuff, but you start seeing, I started seeing a lot more of, of Chris Jones and Charles Amenahu and George Karloftis kind of winning their, their reps. And it's just a fascinating thing to me, but that, I don't know. They've always been generally better to close games than to start games. So I just didn't really learn much about them in, in a in kind of a weird game. I have a weird yeah. game. And so I just don't know if there's really anything about them other than it was interesting to see them struggle in some man looks, given how good overall the secondary has been. And I think part of that is for as good as the Jerry Sneed has been this year, and he's been very good. There's been a lot of ado made about him following around number one wide receivers. And to an extent, he has done that. Not like people like think of about like Revis Island when they hear that. That is not how the modern NFL works at this point. Um, you know, if he's following him around, it's for like half the snaps and with some support. Like Darrell Revis, and this is no disrespect to Snead, it's just not how the NFL works anymore in terms of how you can defend people. And Revis was just different. He was just weird. Um he is not a pure, he's a good pure cover corner, but he's really reliant on his physicality. And once he's out in routes, he's not, he's an okay direct change of direction guy with good overall athleticism, but he doesn't have incredible hips like the way that you might see with McDuffie. And I think you saw that exploited a few times, a few other guys. And hey, McDuffie, who is an incredible cover corner, but doesn't always locate the ball the way he should. You saw that exploited too. So that was just, maybe that was like a, oh, just like a, not even a yellow flag, like a white flag with a little bit of yellow in it. Just like, that's interesting at least. Yeah, a white flag either means surrender or last lap. So I think we might have to pick a different color flag, but I understand where you're going here. We need like one of those maritime flags. It's like a white flag with like a yellow stripe through it. Or yeah. yellow, yellow, yellow checkerboard. Maybe I'm. A, I don't know. I don't. I've also lost. Yeah, it. something to something to keep an eye on. And then um, someone actually commented here. Uh, Prime time gala, gala, gala. Let's say gala. Um, <laughs> I've heard it said both ways. I don't know what you want. I didn't me. correct you, man. I didn't correct so, you. So I, I, Justin Reed and the safeties. They they haven't been great covering tight ends. Um, Reed has been decent to even very good covering tight ends in the past. I think he'll come around just like just like primetime thinks too. But the loss of Brian Cook, you could see it early on. And again, the, the the team really recovered as a whole on defense. And late in the game, it was nice hearing the the commentators talking about how much faster the Chiefs were playing because they were. They were playing so much faster. They were hitting hard. They were arriving well. But man, Brian Cook, I really hope that that ankle sprain... My understanding is it looked horrific. Um, my hope is maybe come playoffs because he adds a lot of talent to that secondary in terms of athleticism, uh, physicality, 
and the ability to play man coverage against tight ends out of the slot. I'm going to go back to your spag slow starter kind of thing first because I hadn't even thought about this until you mentioned it all. But I think at some point last year or maybe even the year before, we ended up having like a pretty good conversation. And I think Spags maybe even like asked about and talked about this in a presser because the dude is just an open book and is has the best pressers anywhere in football uh, for my money. But we ended up having a little bit of a conversation about how Spags, as much as anybody, and I feel like offensive coaches usually get credit for this, but but that Steve Spagnuolo is, is, is downright excited to start a game with all right, I'm going to show you this and see what you do. Then I'm going to show you this and see what you do. And, oh, you got us yep. on that, so I'm going to show you this one and see what you do. And then in the second half, it's like, all right, thank you for the answers in the first half. We'll be using those from here on out. Appreciate it. Um, not <laughs> even like, not baiting like, oh, I'm we're such a weak defense. We'll, we'll give you a free touchdown. It's not that, but it it is setting up and evaluating and taking that info. And Mahomes even mentioned that post-game. Yep. Uh, it was, he said something along the lines of, he was asked about the defense and Willie Gay's pick and all of that. And he said something about how much the the defense can change as they go and how much they're adjusting in real time. And again, we, we've talked about the other side of this. Actually making changes in games in real time, meaningful changes, is really hard. Like even at halftime, right? I mean, it, it's not, you don't just go and say, all right, we're going to kick into game plan two now, unless you've spent all week preparing for a first half game plan or a second half game plan or whatever. It's it's not, right. you don't get to call your your half hour timeout and, and then, you know, readjust your Madden depth chart. So anyway, all that to say, kind of interesting to remember that discussion in light of the kind of quote unquote slow start these last couple of weeks that then are followed by stronger second halves from this defense. It just, it makes me think that that is, it's not even by design, it's at least not a design flaw. I think that is something that they are doing kind of as a, a character trait at this point. I would agree with that. I also think, um, and just on a note, Matt Derrick just tweeted out that Justin Ross has been removed from the exempt list. So that's going to be the concern. Yeah, I should have mentioned that that corresponds with Skymore going to IR. I don't think that's why they made that move probably. But but Reed said this morning that he he talked to Veach about the Justin Ross thing. So yeah, there you go. That That makes a lot of sense. And we could talk about that if you want. I don't really have a lot to say. I mean, like Ross wasn't playing much before. Yep. And so, I mean, we'll see. Um, but And so, you know, in terms of a pure X perimeter guy, sure, he'd fit the bill if they trust him. But, I mean, so we'll see. We'll see what next week holds. The snaps are certainly there for the taking if if he's shown them what they want to see. So, anyway, um, one thing that I think is, is worth at least noting with regards to that is I think teams are trying to figure out where the Chiefs might be a little bit weaker, especially with Drew Tranquil kind of coming back, Bolton still playing a little bit nicked up. Um, they were they were running a lot of heavy, and the Chiefs had three linebackers on the field a ton. I think they were testing out the Chiefs linebacker personnel like kind of rotation because there were multiple snaps where Leo Chanel was on the field and Drew Tranquil was not, which is weird to me because Willie Gay can play all three linebacker spots. Nick Bolton can play... Sam, he, he can, it, 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 Drew Tranquil can play Will or Mike, probably not really Sam because he's a smaller guy. I don't understand. I, I do like some of the things that Chanel does, but I think once they realized that they were throwing out of heavy, that's when you suddenly saw Tranquil come in. And I think it's a, uh, teams are trying to figure out a way to, because the Chiefs have a really good secondary, a really well coached secondary that communicates really well. I think they're trying to figure out how to get them into bad situations. And I think one thing that happened with the Patriots was, you eventually run out of things you can do depending on what you've got with with your two or three tight end sets. You eventually run out of things you can do if you're not running the ball really effectively. And I think that's part of what happened in the second half too is the Chiefs just made some adjustments. They stopped just going blitz heavy and man coverage type stuff. Most tight ends can't get open against zone coverage nearly as effectively as Travis Kelsey. And you just kind of, you just find answers. And so I, I think teams are going to keep kind of poking and prodding because the Chiefs' nickel and dime sets have been really effective. Um, and I think teams are going to keep trying to kind of poke and prod to see if they can keep them heavy. But in my opinion, with this linebacker group, although there's some flaws there, I think they can match up against almost any game plan, even one that's heavy. And that'll be really crucial moving forward in terms of them staying healthy. The the specific fun part about Drew Tranquil seems to be like, well, if he's out there and they start deciding to pass out of heavy, that's... He's the guy that that makes it yes. hard to, to commit to that. He's the guy that right. makes it hard to say we're going to run both these tight ends out and they're going to run some routes and figure that like, no, no, we 
we got Drew Tranquil. That's okay. You, you, we've got a Hulk. I mean, that's that's kind of that seems like part of the appeal there. Um, you you said a phrase earlier also that for me this can, this might be kind of my last take before I I let you see if there's anything else that um that we haven't covered that you think is meaningful and I I'm kind of leaving it that open ended because as you said earlier I don't know that we learned that much in this game from from either side of the ball and and I think that that might be a little bit of the holding pattern we're in the rest of the way again it'll be interesting to see if the Bengals do anything different and the Raiders made it kind of interesting and a little frustrating in the first matchup. So we'll, we'll see where, yeah. where these games actually go. I mean, it kind of, you know, there, there are teams with, with both, you know, pride and future contracts to pay for, uh, to play for. And, you know, divisional rivals, I'm sure would love to knock the chiefs off the Bengals. I'm sure would love to knock the chiefs off and, and they're still trying to fight for a playoff spot. So we'll see what, what what's going on with them in a couple of weeks. But by and large, this is a game of the 2023 Kansas city chiefs to me. You have, uh, Fine offensive performances in a few places. Clyde Edwards-Elair outperforms expectations with Isaiah Pacheco out. Rasheed Rice looks really good, but the offense still has issues with turnovers and, and not as many penalties, but at least one that they, they couldn't overcome. I guess they they ended up settling off of the Rice penalty that shouldn't have been called and whatever. But you, you end up still in some of that just off a tick, air quotes sort of thing. Right. Defensively, you, you hold up very well against a subpar offense and you end up giving up more points than you should have because your offense actually lets you down. And one of your receivers, maybe your most dynamic receiver, certainly, I think second to, to Rice, uh, does the exact same thing he did in week one. A lot of this game, we there was nothing new in this game on the season right. as a whole. The order that it was all stitched together in, that's that's one thing. But this, it, you, you could have Frankensteined this game with everything except for the name Bailey Zappi from a game earlier this season. And so I don't, I don't think that's good or bad. I just think it's kind of what it is. You you hit sim week in Madden, and you're gonna do it again a few more times before the playoffs. I'd love to see them answer some of those questions preemptively before they get to playoff football. I don't know if they will or not, but again, kind of an ugly win. Happy to have an ugly win after some ugly losses, but that's kind of my my last my last point on on where this game left me. I think. Sure, I think um, something for people to at least continue to consider. And let me just be clear on what I'm not saying before I say what I'm going to say. I am not saying that I think the Chiefs are going to tighten up these mistakes. I, I I wrote two weeks ago. I think this is who they are. Now, we'll see. Generally speaking, um, they've been much more put together in the playoffs the last three or four years, except the AFC Championship second half against Cincy. And honestly, Mahomes just played badly. Like, that was... Like, it really wasn't that complicated. He just he did not play well. Um, and, and Hill and Kelsey both had terrible drops. So actually, no, that really was more of that. It was just self-inflicted wounds. I don't expect them to completely clean that up. What I do think is at least interesting from this game is that we saw a continued trend that we've seen over the course of the last like three to four weeks where it's gone from the offense looking borderline unplayable to where it's an offense that's moving well until it does something stupid. And that's where, so they averaged 5.3 yards per play against a really good Patriots defense. And that is one thing that's at least worth noting. This is a really good Patriots defense. Much, much better than the defenses they've been playing the last few weeks. And their performance was actually better overall. Um, Still, stupid mistakes. I don't know if they're going to fix that. But it's just kind of interesting, you know, it, it, it would have been above the NFL average for yards per play against one of the better defenses in the league. And that's at least interesting. They're moving the ball again. I do think Clyde being somewhat useful overall, and he, and again, he wasn't great. He's never, he's not an explosive runner, but him just kind of, he really, I don't know why they're still running him these outside zone looks occasionally. And even he looks disinterested in it at this point. He's like, Andy, why are you doing this to me? You give him that gap stuff, north, south, he picks the gap. And you can tell he's running with more power than he was. You know, they list him at, someone made a yeah in your bra joke when they listed him at 205. Which I don't know if that's still an okay joke to say. I, it was on Liar Liar. And so if Jim Carrey can say it, I'm sure it's fine. That's probably not a great standard to go by. Anyway, so he, he's probably running around at about 220 packed into like a 5-7 frame, which is impressive. And so yeah, that's hey, at least. Will you stand up and show everybody what that looks like? Well, it looks real different from me, for one thing. 
It's all about where the weight is distributed, really. Oh, 220. Oh, it'd be 35 again. Anyway. Um, See, that was maybe one of the meaner jokes that I think I've I've let fly at your expense. And I thought you'd make it meaner to yourself, so I feel like it was okay. Oh, yeah. 220, whatever, nothing to be ashamed of, I hope. Nah, eh, I just, I'm not too worried about it at this point. Yeah, whatever. And so I, I do think that's at least interesting in that there is a little bit of, um, okay, you know, if we need to do some power running stuff. Because Jet McKinnon, appreciate what he can do in pass protection and in the passing game. He is not a runner at this point overall. That's just not who he is. He doesn't have the same explosion he used to, and he's that dude weighs like a buck 75 soaking wet. And so, and, here, and here's what that looks like. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, the Adonis of my co-host. Right about um, Yeah, there we go. And so, I mean, those are at least, those are two kind of somewhat interesting things, but we already knew the offense was moving the ball before they did something stupid. And so now it's just kind of, uh, you you see them continuing to narrow the receiver snap counts. You see them to kind of continue to tinker. Oh, okay, so we want Noah Gray out there 50, 60% of the time. You you see them narrowing towards something, and I, I, I'm I at least intrigued. And the Rasheed Rice thing, I'm intrigued. I just want to see them keep dialing up the volume with him. Although maybe what Andy Reid's telling us is like, hey, all you idiots think that a receiver needs to have all this incredibly well-rounded skill set to get 10 targets a game. Turns out you don't, and you can still just go out there and throw up you know, 80, 90 yards a game, apparently, if you've got the right skill set. So... I'm excited to watch that continue because I feel like with the Raiders seeing them the second time around, um, Luana Rumo always has a good game plan against the Chiefs. I, I think we're coming up on some games now where we're going to see some specific Rasheed-type stuff. And then, okay, what can he do to counter that? What routes do you have him running that take advantage of teams just pressing him right at the line? Now, they already try to avoid that with a bunch of stacks and trips and that sort of thing. But how? How? what's the next phase then? And does Rashi continue to be a key component of that? Because that's the difference between a wide receiver two and wide receiver one is a wide receiver two can provide some really, really good games and step up when they're not the primary focus of the defense. How about when they are? Then what do you do? And I, I'm excited to see that develop. I've got something you could do this weekend if you're out and about for uh, the Christmas season and also, of course, tonight. All on Sports Radio 810 WHB, little flags over my shoulder, and of course ESPN Kansas City. Not even including Monday, but Thursday through next Monday over Monday over Christmas. The combo of 810 and ESPN Kansas City are going to have 10 NFL games on. Apparently that's the most we've ever aired in a single week on 810 and ESPN Kansas City combined. So um, a ton of NFL action Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and of course Christmas on Monday. We're going to have an absolute ton of NFL action, plus uh, bowl season left and right. That's all over on your home for the NFL here in Kansas City Sports Radio 810 WHB. Enjoy all of the all of the NFL games you could possibly ever hope or want to find on the radio. They'll be on 810 this Christmas season. So enjoy that as we roll on and enjoy Monday Night Football tonight. We didn't get to talk about the other craziness around the rest of the AFC. We may do some of that on Thursday as we look ahead to, uh, to Chiefs and Raiders. And uh, the Christmas Day game. On a Monday, we'll, of course, change our schedule in some way, shape, or form. We'll figure that out uh, in the days to come. But expect to have the full crew back together with Nate returning from New England. Fingers crossed. It feels like every time that dude has to travel for a road game, there is just sort of some unplanned, uh, unfortunate circumstance that, that uh, belies him. So hopefully he'll make it back by Thursday and we'll all talk then. But Seth, Nate's not here. So it means it's your chance to get us out of here. Well, I've actually prepared a list of the 27 reasons why we are not Christmassy enough these days. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, a, a lot of people are asking sorry, about... Seth, sorry, was that, was that list about why we're not Christmassy enough? Because, <laughs> hello? No, that, that list that list actually has 77 items on it. Oh, um, fantastic. Why don't you come over so, and nail them on my door? Here's, here's, where, here's, here's what I would say. I've had a lot of people ask about uh, Travis Kelsey's, you know... You can, this was kind of the first week that people were making a big deal out of it because he had a drop. Let me just say, Travis has dropped that before. I love Travis Kelsey. He's an incredible player. But he has dropped remarkably similar throws to that a year ago, 
two years ago. He's got a couple of those in him. Remember the Colts game? He blamed himself for that loss two years ago. Maybe that was last year. I don't even remember anymore. So the idea that a route where he created a ton of separation, and honestly, the throw is a little late, is like proof that he's now getting washed. It's like maybe when he stops waxing guys and creating that kind of separation, because he still does, sure. You know what, Travis Kelsey, he, he, he might be closer to retirement because one thing I do know at every game, and I told Jazz this, and when we were live, I was like, watch what happens now. Like, is after he caught a pass and got tackled. It's like, watch what happens now. Yep, there he goes to the sideline because you know what he is? He's 34. And he's like, you know, that hurt. And as someone who fell on the ice earlier this week, and then, oh man, and then it was not great. And then when I was trying to get up, I put my hands on the ground and it was so slippery. My hand slipped and I came within a millimeter of just busting up my face. Kelsey is still putting up dominant numbers. He is still an exceptional player. He's just old, guys. And that's what the Chiefs, if the, he said he's going to play till the wheels fall off. So what they need to continue to do is, okay, how do we get his snap count? Keep it at that 70%, 60%. And Rasheed Rice, that's his job. And so he's not washed. He's just old, man. And speaking on behalf of old people everywhere, give us a break. Just takes us a minute. Just, just give me a minute. Like, you know, things don't quite work the way they used to. Nothing does. Well, you know, Travis Kelsey never felt pain or got old before Taylor Swift got involved. Taylor Swift got involved, all of a sudden Travis Kelsey's aging. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 